Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. This is Mike Siegel. I want to thank you all for listening. As always, you can find us on the World Wide Web at TravelTalesPodcast.com. We're on Twitter at Travel Tales Pod at Twitter. If you want to write me, it's Mike at TravelTalesPodcast.com. And we're on Stitcher Radio. We're on iTunes. Uh, if you want to go to our homepage at TravelTalesPodcast.com, you can click on links and get to all those people all those people, all those places where you can subscribe, and it's all free. You can subscribe on iTunes, and hey, while you're on iTunes, why not give us a good rating? Come on. I've never asked you for anything. All I've asked is that to maybe give us a good rating, and that boosts our presence and helps more people find the show, which we always like. All right, with that out of the way, I wanted to, uh, first of all, apologize that the episodes haven't been coming out uh, exactly every week lately. We are doing a lot of work on the website. Uh, it's going to have a new look. It's going to have a lot more features, um, articles. It's going to have a lot more photos and uh, just be a little more uh, pleasing overall visual experience and audio experience, we hope. And uh, I'm really excited about it, but uh, there's going to be more on that later and uh we just want to change the look of it. And I say we, uh, me and my friend Gary Ricky from OrbisDesign.com back in Chicago are uh, working on revamping the whole thing. And I'm making a lot of new contacts in this business. And uh, I'm learning a lot about the travel business and travel blogging and all that uh, holds and presents and the work involved. And it's been uh, quite interesting. With that in mind... I am going to say with full disclosure about this episode that you're about to hear is a little different for me. Um, this was a, a sponsored trip. I've never taken one of those as a uh, travel journalist before, really. It's mostly been people I've just met and interviewed and a lot more personal in terms of their interview about the personal experiences and their, you know, a little more casual and stuff. This was a uh, sponsored trip to the Mississippi Gulf Coast uh, that I got through our friend Johnny Jett, who dropped my name to the uh, good people down there. And uh, I went with several other journalists, several other, oh, there was probably about 12, 15 of us. And they put us up for four days and uh, had a lot of uh, events. They showed us uh, museums, uh, some of the neighboring towns, because this is an area that's been really uh, hard hit the last 10 years. It was already one of the poorest states in the Union, and uh, Katrina came, and we all know what happened there. New Orleans got a lot of the press, but uh, the Mississippi Gulf Coast really got the bulk of the storm, and uh, they're, they've been trying to recover ever since, and still, we were down there, and we could see you know wide swaths of land just barren, and all you could see was foundations still left in the ground because it just wiped the whole thing out. And the recovery has been slow, but it's been happening. So they're trying to get more uh, tourists down there. There's a lot to do. There's uh, golf. If you're into any kind of water sports, fishing especially, the seafood was uh, amazing. Uh, it's about an hour from New Orleans. So if you're uh, in the New Orleans area, most people go there, of course. But uh, hey, if you're making a trip, why not give the Gulf Coast Mississippi a try? And I don't want to make this whole show sound like a commercial because... Uh, that's not what this show really is. It's more of a casual conversation. But uh, Taryn, who uh, we're talking to, is one of the people in charge of the tourism board down there. And it, her job, you know, to be honest, is to promote the area. So she does have some talking points, and that's fine. 
Uh, she's very, very sweet, uh, super helpful, and uh, she was fun, and I really had a, a good time talking to her, and her uh, co-worker Janice down there was very helpful, and everybody was just terrific. We stayed at a, uh, one of the big casino resorts. Uh, the IP Casino is where I stayed, and um, again, it's your, your basic giant uh, hotel casino, and I should have gone to bed the last night instead of gambling, but that's another story. Um, uh, like I said, I ate nothing but seafood down there. And speaking of seafood, not only are they recovering from Katrina, but just where they're getting back on their feet, the BP oil spill happens in the Gulf. And they didn't get the bulk of that uh, damage, uh, thankfully, but uh, unfortunately, a lot of that went down to Florida, it seems. But still, um, just so you know, this, this was a, uh, a paid trip for me to be there. So maybe it's not as a personal a interview that I usually have, but uh, we talked about the area a lot, and uh, it's great to see them recovering. Mississippi has had uh, a long uh, history <laughs> in many different ways, uh, good, bad, and everything else. So um, if you're in the area, come down, throw some bucks their way, eat some seafood, and uh, enjoy yourself, will you? So I wanted to get that out in the open and uh, be honest and say I didn't pay for this particular trip myself, uh, like I usually do, and then just talk to people on my, on my travels. I was, went there as a journalist. Uh, it's a new era, folks. <laughs> but uh, I really enjoyed my time uh, talking with Taryn and meeting everybody down there. And plus, she's got this awesome accent that I could listen to all day long when it's coming out of a, uh, an attractive young woman. But it's a little more frightening of an accent when it's coming from a, uh, a sheriff that pulls you over. <laughs> but from her, I can listen to it all day. So enjoy my interview with Terrence Sammons in Biloxi, Mississippi for the Mardi Gras celebrations. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm here with Taryn Sammons. The, give, me, give me your title again. This was a long title. I am the Social Media and Media Relations Manager for the Mississippi Gulf Coast Convention and Visitors Bureau in South Mississippi. For a small woman, that's a, that's a long title. <laughs> that's a big title for a small woman. And a lot to live up to handling all these communications. <laughs> so I've just been here for three days. For the uh, Mardi Gras celebrations. Yes. This is my first time into this area. See, and that's pretty much the goal of why we bring travel writers here. A lot of people have heard of us, but they've never gotten the chance to come visit us here on the coast. <laughs> so we bring them in to show them what it's all about. And Mardi Gras is a great time to do it. Yeah. I think if you took my blood now, it would be like half alcohol, <laughs> half uh, bread pudding. <laughs> And maybe crab. crab and the fun, the fun thing about the bread pudding is it has the alcohol on top of it, too. So. <laughs> I know. Um, but we didn't, I never got to ride a float in a parade. That was great. And most people haven't, especially if you're not from here. And even some of the locals have never gotten the chance to ride a float. So it's definitely a once-in-a-lifetime thing for many people, something to cross off your bucket list. So we're really excited to be a part of that experience for those people. So when the first thing, you know, when I was coming here, it comes to mind, of course, is uh, Katrina. Absolutely. When it, when it happened. So that was 2005? That was August 29th of 2005. Right. And um, we've had a lot 
of things to overcome in the past few years with Katrina and the economy and the BP oil crisis. Um, we're a very resilient community. Our entire Gulf Coast is very resilient and find, finds ways to, you know, just keep keep their spirits up, keep rebuilding. We've had a lot of help from um, the outside community. A lot of church groups and civic organizations have come to the Gulf Coast to help us out with volunteerism things. And so we've rebuilt. We're open. We're welcoming people. Um, There's still some empty lots along the beach. You'll see things here and there that um, were different before 2005. But as far as tourism, we still have plenty to do. Yeah, I've seen those, um, the the foundations. Mm -hmm. Still, and you had talked about this earlier, I remember when I got here, that you had said that uh, it's kind of a double-edged sword in the fact that when people think of Katrina, immediately, everybody else around the country and the world, they're mu- they go to New Orleans. Absolutely. You know, they think of New Orleans. Mm-hmm. But really, the heart of the storm hit here. It did. The New Orleans' I, big problem was the levees flooded. Yes, the eye of Hurricane Katrina hit in the Bay St. Louis Waveland area, and um, New Orleans was devastated because of their levees failing and them being flooded. Yeah. So, did, but for you, on the one hand, that's kind of like you want make make people forget. It's good that they're not really thinking of you. But on the bad side, you're like, hey, give us some love down here. Absolutely. You know? yeah. As a PR person, <laughs> right, it's right. good for for us to not be the main focus when people think of Hurricane Katrina. The reality is, though, that it did hit here. Our locals were very devastated. And, you know, some people do get upset when um, New Orleans is mentioned most of the time. But from my standpoint, I'm happy that they kind (laughs) of leave the Gulf Coast out of that. Well, talk me through it that day, because I'm fascinated by this whole thing. The days leading up to it, and uh, you were pretty young then. I was. Um, but what did they tell you on the news? And what what did they, did they tell you to get out? Did you leave? What happened? Well, being a local, I have grown up with hurricanes my entire life. A, a hurricane hit a few days after I was born and messed my whole christening up. So <gasps> from the beginning, you know, I've... I've <laughs> You've been cursed. I have. It was you. You brought this on the people. <laughs> and then when I was in eighth grade, we had another really big Hurricane Georges that, um, you know, did some damage and things like that. Like that, but we've always every year we get a scare or things like that. No one really thought Katrina was going to come here. When when storms get out in the Gulf, they I mean it's amazing what they can do. How the current picks them up and the wind and the temperature of the water, all of that matters for a hurricane. So I think a couple of days before when we saw how big it was, that was the time people realized we have got to do something. So I actually left. My daughter was five months old. So we packed up um, and went to stay with some family family in Orlando. And the things I saw on the news were just absolutely heartbreaking. This is my hometown. This is where I was born. This is where I grew up. And to see the helicopter footage of the place that I love and have such passion for, I mean, I cried for days. But I couldn't change the channel. I mean, you just had to watch because... I wanted to see something that reminded me of home. And the lighthouse, I mean, it took a beating. But when they showed it from that aerial footage, (laughs) I mean, I knew that that was the lighthouse. And so um, leaving and not being able to get back for a while was pretty hard. You know, my house got some water and the beach was closed for a long time. Beach Boulevard, Highway 90 was closed for a while. Um, It washed a lot of it out. You have to consider eight hours of 30 feet of water and waves crashing into everything, you know, within five to ten miles. 
and some places getting water from the Biloxi Bay and the Mississippi Sound on both sides. It just is oh. a very disastrous recipe. It's amazing. You go to the buildings here, and every building seems to have a line mm-hmm. uh, up on the, near the ceiling of where the water they do. level was. Watermarks um, on the businesses and watermarks around the city. And that's really just to show you our resilience when you see that 30-foot blue mark on a light pole and then you see that house has rebuilt right next to it. And if you can imagine where the water was on that roof, it just, it's amazing. Did you have friends that just lost everything and family? I did. A lot of my family who lived um, on the back bay completely lost their homes um, or had lots of water. We had about two foot of water in my house. So you have to cut the sheetrock out six foot. You have to replace all your belongings because it was so hot and humid here. So the mold comes immediately. The mold just immediately came. But we were very blessed with after Hurricane Katrina, there was no rain for a while. So people who had damage to their roof, they had time to get tarps on it. And, you know, the Red Cross and the Salvation Army helped with food and churches came came in and the response from the rest of the country was really amazing. They came here and they really did help us out. I was I like the uh, story of the Hard Rock. Mhm. <laughs> they were yes. going to open Hard Rock the next day. Two it? days, two days later, um the Hard Rock was scheduled to open. They were completely finished. They had all their staff trained. They had all the memorabilia in yeah. there. And just so people know, I'm saying it's not a Hard Rock Cafe. This is a hotel and casino, yes, a giant is, hotel and casino. And has the biggest guitar, the biggest Hard Rock guitar in the country. And yeah. I, all the memorabilia floated out. I mean, people oh. had $10,000 celebrity pants and the trees and they they got some of their memorabilia back and then the rest they brought in from other hard rocks to replenish and i think it took them about two years to open oh my gosh yeah the beau rivage opened on the one-year anniversary beau rivage casino resort in bluxy opened on the one-year anniversary and the first casino to reopen was the ip casino resort and spa that's where i stayed that is and it opened in december and i tell you what when that casino opened there was a line (laughs) wrapped around the city people were ready to get in there because we needed a little bit of normalcy and with the casino reopening that was normal to us i like the story of uh they didn't pass gambling here until they called it gaming they did they tried (laughs) to pass it in 1990 and 1991 as gambling legalized gambling and it did not pass well the church frowns on that word and in 1992 they changed the bill to legalize gaming gaming it's a game and legalize gaming where you give your money and it doesn't come back. You know, one of those fun games. Oh, yes. But is, is it, um, have you seen the result of that in the economy? Absolutely. Um, especially here in Harrison County and in Biloxi, um, where most of the casinos are. There's um, one other casino in Gulfport in Harrison County, but the majority are in Biloxi. And the Biloxi schools and the whole county schools have really benefited. Um, they weren't losing programs like some other schools in outside states. Um, taxes in Biloxi, property taxes, have not gone up other than, you know, appraisals and houses being worth more. They have not gone up since the casinos started here. So it also gave thousands, about 17,000 people jobs. People who had never done anything but construction or fishing, shrimping, things like that. They were able to actually get inside and go home clean, you know, at the end of every day. My dad 
worked in construction since he was in high school. And then in 1992, one of the casinos came in and they said, we'll train you for free because people here didn't know how to deal cards or the proper way to spin a roulette wheel, things like that. So we'll take you to school for free. Um, You do it and then we'll offer you a job. And so my dad started with the Biloxi Bell in 1992. It was one of the first three casinos to open. And now he's at the Beau Rivage. He's a pit boss. He's worked his way up and he loves it. He, He goes home and he smells good and you know he wears a suit and tie to work and his hands aren't rough every day and so it's really been a good thing for not only our economy but for the people around us. But if he's in construction after Katrina, they probably needed guys like him, they right? They did, and, and you know he did some side work for that. We had a lot of people come in to help um, do the construction, and a lot of people decided to stay here. They liked the area. They liked the people, and um, so they stayed here after that. We're talking about the makeup of the uh, people who live down here. I know that we went to like three or four different towns. There's Biloxi. Mm-hmm. There's Gulfport. There's Bay St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And we have breakfast in Past Christian. Past Christian. Yeah. And so and then we have breakfast in Ocean Springs. So there's a variety of towns in the different counties that make up the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Um, and it's a gumbo of people. We really we have every ethnicity, every background. Um, the Vietnamese community came in to do fishing and shrimping. We have a large Greek population, a large Jewish population, a large African-American population. We have um, Yugoslavians who make these delicious pusheradas that we had at the Orr Museum the oh, first yeah, night yeah, we yeah, were here. Yeah. Those are fabulous. <laughs> so we really have a wide range of people here. And it makes everyone feel welcome. That's one really good thing. So no matter what your background is, when you come to visit, you can relate to someone and someone's story. So about the uh, the the people, you know, when you think of, uh, you know, Mississippi, the name carries a lot of weight Absolutely. in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's been a tough history. I'm sure you wish, like, the movie Mississippi Burning was called something else. Well, we do have <laughs> a lot know? of perception. There's, a, there's a lot of that. I mean, yeah. it, it, there's a lot of baggage that comes with yes. it. And a lot of people, when they think about Beauvoir, which was the last home of the Confederate President Jefferson Davis, they immediately think of the war between the states. And, you know, there's some negative perception there. But he did a lot for the country even before he was ever involved with the Confederacy. So um, I think when we bring people there and they can see, you know, where he lived and um, just learn more about his life, that perception kind of starts to go away. What do you find that like foreign visitors mm-hmm. know about Mississippi? What have they heard and what do you have to fight with with them? A lot of our international visitors come to do gaming and they come to do shopping. We have some great outlet malls and great boutiques, so they come spend their money in the shops, which is fabulous for the shop owners. <laughs> but, um, you know, we still have that negative perception to overcome. But most of our international National guests immediately think of Hurricane Katrina right. because of the news that they've seen and things like that. So when they get down here and they see that there's still things to do, it kind of changes that. Well, how do they hear about it? Because do most of them go to New Orleans first or something? And then they, we're about an hour away, right? Yes, we're about an hour away from New Orleans. And a lot of them do fly into New Orleans. New Orleans is very a very accessible international airport um, for people out of the country. So they fly into New Orleans. They take a bus trip over here with a group tour or they just learn about us over there and then venture on over here which is great we also have a big influx of people who come from 
fly into Memphis, Tennessee, and then come down the state of Mississippi. It's only six hours from the Mississippi Gulf Coast to Memphis, which yeah. is right on the state line of Mississippi and Tennessee. So they do the Blues Trail or they do the History Trail, and they just work their way down here. My friend Vicki from uh, London did that last year. She started okay. in New Orleans, and then they drove up to Memphis, and then they went to Nashville. Yeah, so absolutely. It was a better, but she did it in August. Oh, oh and I, yeah. I, I, I couldn't convince her. I said, are you sure you want to go in August? She said, nope, that's where we're going. I went, okay, we'll be prepared for a certain kind of heat that you're not used to. Absolutely. I love the Mississippi. Gulf Coast, but I don't even want to be here in July. <laughs> it gets hot and it gets humid. And I try to tell people when they're coming to visit to come in the spring or come in the fall. If you come in July or August, you're going to get a bad taste in your mouth and you're not going to want to come back because you're going to think that's <laughs> right. how it is. But, you know, we'll welcome you anytime. Yeah. It was in the 60s. You know, it's February. It was in the 60s while I was here, although I didn't see the sun once. Oh, come on. It now. rained on us. It rained on us every day. It did but, rain I mean, on us. But uh, not con- not consistently. It was like off and on. But And that's mostly how it is. Little afternoon rainstorms yeah. or short thunderstorms. But I feel we were very, very lucky on Fat Tuesday. It only rained for about 15 minutes. On the parade. Minutes. But it was like right before the parade. Yes. So, so a lot of wet people yelling for beads. It didn't rain on our parade. No, so. no, no. We, we, we had a good time. That was fascinating to me because uh, I've been to the Mardi Gras in New Orleans like when I was 21, you know, which is a good time to go. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Now I don't think I'd want to deal with that crowd. It, it's so a this big was crowd. kind of an easier crowd mm-hmm. and a lot more families it seems, and because you don't want to bring, you know, five year olds into that craziness in New I Orleans know. on Bourbon Street and stuff like that, you know. But People uh, do though. I, 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 yeah, I bet. <laughs> I bet they do. So you do you find that you get a lot more families and stuff. We're a very fam- family friendly destination to begin with, and then Mardi Gras is also very family friendly. A good thing about it is if. Fat Tuesday is too busy for you. You don't want to get in the big crowd of normally about 100 to 120, maybe 150,000. There's smaller parades. Every city along the Gulf Coast offers smaller parades in the weeks leading up to Mardi Gras. So you can do the North Bay Parade in Dierville and St. Martin where, you know, there's only about 70,000 people. It's shorter. You don't have to wait as long. Um, so it just depends on what you're really interested in. But like you noticed yesterday, lots of people bring their children. They're pointing <laughs> at their kids, wanting beads and wanting stuffed animals and things like that. So it's a very fun environment, no matter how old you are. There, I mean, there's older people out there, folks in their wheelchair. I mean, so I'm throwing beads just, at 80-year-old people. Yes, they just want to have a good time. They are <laughs> yeah. in it to have fun. What do they do with all these millions of plastic beads? Well, you know... The days leading up until Mardi Gras, those beads are worth gold. They are to everyone. They are just the best thing since sliced bread. And Little plastic beads. Yes. Just, that's it. Now, Wednesday, when you wake up, all it is is a plastic bead. <laughs> do they recycle them? Do they we use do. Them? We have, um, there's a great program. The city of Biloxi has a program with um, mentally handicapped and physically challenged people that they'll put out drop-off um, boxes for you to put your beads in there, and they'll take them to this group. They'll wash them. They'll sort them by size by color so it's a great learning opportunity for them and for them to get involved and then they'll sell them next year to different crews and so they'll make a little money off of it too for their organization um kids take them to school and they play dress (laughs) up with them they'll throw them to their friends we used to have pretend Mardi Gras parades in the middle of June right you know with our beads so 
<laughs> it just depends. Some people hold on to them and, and hopes that they'll get to ride a float one year because the throws are pretty expensive. So when it comes down to it, if you have a big stash from years past and you get to ride on the float, you don't have to buy much. That was fun. Mm-hmm. That was fun to do. What would you say the typical tourist is that comes to this area? Well, our target market is a little older market. It's um, about 55 and up. Um, people who don't have kids at home, but they come and they're here to, they're not just here to play in our casinos or go to our beach. They're here to golf. They're here to fish. They're here to shop. You know, we have a little bit of everything for anyone. And we have a variety of hotels. We have over 13,000 rooms on the Mississippi Gulf Coast for every budget, whether you want to stay, you know, in a one-star hotel or you want a fine dining, full service, um, Hotel, so we have something for everyone. So we'll talk about the uh, the oil spill because the fishing industry is so massive down here. It is. It, what 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 was the effect of that, and and how did it change things? Well, we have barrier islands, which are about eight to ten miles out from our mainland beach, and unfortunately, those islands took the brunt force of the oil that washed up. Um, it wasn't as bad as some other states. We were very lucky that the currents were in our favor yeah. when that happened in April 2010. So the so Florida got the bulk of it, I think. And poor Louisiana, you know, they've been through so much already. Yeah. So it, it got to them too. But so those islands protected us. And BP sent crews out. There were crews out there every single day who were um, cleaning up. As soon as they saw oil, they were cleaning up. They were testing it out there to confirm that it was the oil. Um, from the Transocean rig, and but our inland, we were very lucky that we had very few tar balls wash up, um, and what was washed up cl- was cleaned up absolutely immediately. So mm-hmm. there was a lot of negative media perception that we're having to overcome. Um, you know, they take one picture that they find of an oily bird, and then they just say that's from everywhere. So right. every state, you know, had to overcome, and they are having to overcome the same things that we are. Was there a time that you couldn't eat uh, certain, you know, fish that came out of the... There, there are people who still won't eat certain fish. Now, it is... Our seafood is the most tested seafood right now in the whole world. They are making sure that it is safe. They're testing it on the boats. They're testing it at the docks randomly. It's tested before it goes out to be processed. So... The seafood is very safe. I'm still eating it. Everyone else is still eating it. That's all I ate while I was here. (laughs) And, you know, the locals who love it are are still going to keep eating it. So it did have a negative effect on our fishing industry. The charter boats um, weren't going out as much. Captains weren't as busy. But because we have so much to offer here, the beach and the fishing isn't our main focus in tourism. So people were still able to come and they were able to do other things. Our beaches were never closed because of oil. Um, so that's a very positive thing. And we were very honest. As a tourism entity, we kept a call to action on our homepage, updating people. We had a, a link directly to NOAA's website so people would know what was going on. And um, it was just a very... It was a very big thing to overcome with the media perception more than the oil. Mm-hmm. What's the people's perception of uh, BP now? What's their? Whew. What did the locals think of them? Well, there's a very mixed feeling. Um, business owners, 
who are still fighting with lawsuits to get money and things like that, they obviously have a negative perception. There have been a lot of cases settled, though, where people have gotten money from BP um, for loss of business or things, you know, to that nature. But for now, I think it's really just a 50-50. There's still a lot of court proceedings going on. BP has helped us out as a tourism bureau. We've received many grants. We're about to start um, a we received a grant to start a campaign to advertise to our snowbirds to get snowbirds back down here to get away from you know negative 30 degrees and come to 60 to 70 degrees and right. enjoy golfing and the things like that that they can't do up there while while they're iced over. Yeah, I was gonna ask you about that. There is a big snowbird community. Of more, of they mostly come from say the Midwest. It's Midwest, yes. Yeah, like and Minnesota so, people. Yeah, like, absolutely. You get Canadians too. We do, and we are yeah. about to do. Um, part of that grant is to advertise more to the Canadians right. to come down. So well, it's got to we be a lot. Them. Yeah, it's got to be a lot cheaper than going to like parts of Florida. And absolutely. Like yeah, absolutely. But you can still golf. You can, and, and this and is the heart have... of you know winter, and it's still in the sixties. It's it not is. bad. And it doesn't rain every day. I know. Are you freezing? Is this cold for you? <laughs> no, it's not cold. Now, if it gets to about 40, that's when I'm freezing. But <gasps> oh, no. I know. If it could be 70 year-round, I would just be Yeah, it's called perfect. Los Angeles. <laughs> and you don't want to live there. I know. Well, it's much... It's a lot of people for you. Way too many people and very expensive. <laughs> yeah, it's really gracious. expensive. Well, this is when it gets, you know, depressing to me. You know, I was talking to one of the other writers who lives down here. And she says, I have some 3,000 square foot house... With six bedrooms, <laughs> I mean, it probably cost her a hundred thousand dollars. And I listen to that and go, "Oh God!" Well, there was that one couple from LA that we met that bought the music place. Mm-hmm. Yes. And what was the name of that place? Carrie and Jesse Loya, and they take care of One Hundred Men Hall in Bay St. Louis. Yeah. So it was this old juke joint, it I was. guess, um, on the Chitlin Circuit. Yes. And uh, they came out from LA. They, I mean, they're living like ten miles from where I live right now, and they're oh, natives. Wow. And uh, I was asking them about it. They've been here for like four or five years, I think. Yes. But, you know, they were coming up here and buying properties. You could get like a whole lot for $30,000. You could. And being from L.A., you just look at that and go, oh, my God. Pocket change. I'm going to be a king here. <laughs> but I don't know what I'd do. But, you know, still. But when you're older and you're thinking about it, you know, they had a couple of kids. And uh, they never would have been able to buy a place, you know, a music hall like that and restore it. Absolutely. Because they put a lot into that. They but, have. I mean, they... that thing was torn up. And not just money and physical labor, but they have a true passion for the blues music and for what they do. And for them to bring that back to Bay St. Louis like it used to be. I mean, you saw it. It's not fancy. It it looks like it did in the olden days. And so for Jesse to ride by there on his, on his bicycle and see it and just say, I'm going to own that. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going <laughs> to yeah. own that. It's just amazing at what it's turned out. Yeah. And uh, tell me about the blues. Trail and do people come from all over the world to see this thing? Like you know, you get German dudes who are into the blues. We yes, it's amazing <laughs> that you know a, a blues trail marker, just a blues trail marker, will attract so many people. And the good thing about Hunter Men Hall is there's actually still a building there, whereas some of the blues trail markers are you know on a literally just street. a marker. Yes, yeah. and it says this was here. So the blues um, trail starts or is in North Mississippi, comes all the way right. down. There's markers all over. There's even markers. There's Mississippi Blues Trail markers in other states, too, where the musician 
is from Mississippi, went and played there, got a huge following, and right. then came back to Mississippi. <laughs> so the way the Blues Commission does it is really interesting, and it helps get our name in other states, get the excitement up, and then hopefully people will want to come do the Mississippi Blues Trail. And there's a very cool smartphone app for that. Yeah. Okay. What it was the um, town that they... 100 Men Hall was in? Was 100 Men Hall is in Bay St. Louis. That was in Bay St. Louis. Yes. Okay. Um, tell me about uh, this thing we saw, the tableau, just right here in the convention center. This okay. is the night before Mardi Gras. Yes. Now, royalty... Now, this is like, I felt like I was peeking back into some kind of <laughs> weird southern ritual here. This is like nothing I've ever seen before. I was fascinated by this whole good, thing. Good, good. This was, um, how can I describe it to people? So, you tell them what a, a crew is. And K-R-E-W-E, that's what it is. That's correct. So Mardi Gras, this goes back to the... Mardi Gras has crews, and you're right, K-R-E-W-E. It's an organization. It's It's an organization, a group, a club. You know, you pay your dues, you have to be admitted, you have to be invited. Um, And it's just a group of people who want to party and have a good time, and so they make up a crew name and they start a club. (laughs) And But it's all, I mean, the one we saw was like pretty you know high end it's very high end the gulf coast carnival association is the crew that we participated with and so they keep their king and queen a secret it's very secretive all year it comes out maybe two days before the tableau um, and then everyone celebrates the king and queen so they put on a performance for the public Um, the public is invited to come sit and watch they have these amazing elaborate costumes that weigh probably 50 to 80 pounds oh yeah it was unbelievable headpiece alone with all the feathers and sequins is probably 30 pounds um <laughs> so you never did one of these absolutely not <laughs> no <laughs> well how come i mean i don't think like... i could hold that on my head and walk straight <laughs> goodness gracious but is it something that it's only i mean are there other economic levels that have these i mean oh, or is this just for the gentry yes now the <laughs> gulf coast carnival association is a little more high end right because everybody they were giving everybody's as they were parading around they were giving their resume basically <laughs> he is the lawyer Pretty for much. the government and you know yes and then and that's been part of their entire family when yeah. they're reading it they'll say that his know, mother was the queen mother was the, the, yeah. yes <laughs> so it stays in the family um and is kind of the elite group of the crews but there are crews for every ethnicity there are crews mm-hmm. for every financial background and most people just just put on a small party and have um, a Mardi Gras ball where they dress up and things like that. But the Carnival Association. But they don't. But they don't always. Uh, these crews don't have their own floats. They have their own parades, right? Some of them have their own parades, and then some of the smaller crews will just do a float in someone else's parade. They'll pay to enter the other one. But well, that yeah. was the other thing I learned that that it, like Mardi Gras celebration isn't just that Fat Tuesday. That's it's what not- we always assume. This has been going on for, what, six weeks? Since January 6th. So after the 12th night, they come in, and that's when Mardi Gras officially starts, and it goes until the day before Ash Wednesday. So it's not the same time every year. It all depends on when Easter falls. And so Fat Tuesday is always the day before Ash Wednesday. You party, party, party. I knew about Fat Tuesday. I just didn't know. I just thought that was it. I didn't know this has been going on for six weeks. Yeah, absolutely. So you have parades every weekend? Every weekend there's parades. Okay. Every city has a different different route that they take and how they decide what day their parade is. They have morning parades, afternoon parades. Ocean Springs even has a night parade. So how does a person's liver uh, survive <laughs> this season? 
That well, Lent better we can't come quick enough. That's right. Maybe most people are, are giving their liver a break and <laughs> giving up alcohol. Well, that was the whole it. point, right? You, you, because you stopped it for until Easter. Yeah. That's the point to, yeah. to get all your partying in and, and go repent. Mm-hmm. I didn't see a lot of people going to church this morning. I think they were. Uh, <laughs> But it was a very, I mean, that's a Catholic thing. It is a Catholic thing. But um, is Catholic the, I don't think it would be the predominant well, uh, it's, religion down here. It's it? pretty much a mixture. We have a large Catholic population. A lot of the Vietnamese fishermen are Catholic, and they built their own Catholic church and things like that. But we also have a big Baptist. Yeah, I would think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, It's uh, it was wild. What a scene. It was amazing. <laughs> and that was a smaller scene because of the rain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the typical turnout numbers-wise for Fat Tuesday? Um, I believe yesterday they said there was about 75,000 people. If I would guess, I would say a typical Fat Tuesday that's not raining with beautiful weather, it probably gets upwards to about 130,000. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot of people. It is. Do you have any, uh, has there any been any big incidences? I mean, there's always probably a, you know, mostly drunken arrests. Probably, I'm, sure I'm sure disorderly yeah. conduct, yeah, yeah, small okay. things like but there's that. there's never been like a riot or anything no, like that. No, okay. no riots, no murders. Right, right. That's <laughs> Nothing good. like that. Our police force is out in full making sure people are following the rules. They want them to have fun. They want them to come back, but they also want to keep everyone safe. So is this still a busy season for you now that it's over or until? What's the slower season? I, I would assume summer's got to be the slower for you. Our bu- No, our busy season is actually mid-May to mid-September. That's our busiest season. We have people. Busiest? Busiest, absolutely. That's our big tourist When it's 100 season. degrees here and 98% humidity? I'm telling you, people come from, we have a, we're a very regional drive-in market for the summer. So people come for small weekend getaways and things like that. And then our people come flying in normally come in the our off season. Okay. Um, but for the, um, are they coming for the beach mostly? Yes, they're coming for the, the beach. Summer? They're yeah. coming for the outdoor activities, not necessarily the, fishing, the beach, yeah. but the fishing, the kayaking. We have a lot of ecotourism here with bird watching and kayaking and canoeing in the um, bayous and the back waterways and things like that. So they're coming to do outside stuff, not necessarily our beach. And to game. And to game. And to game. <laughs> and hopefully win. Really yeah, but I, you know what? I should have gone to bed last night. I went. Oh. I was uh, good. But then I said, well, it was only like 9 o'clock when we got back. And I said, well, okay, I'm going to. So I did good for a little while. And then You always have to cash out. I know. As I didn't cash out. As soon as you get out. up there, you got to hit that cash See, out. See, I was on West Coast time. I'm two hours. <laughs> I was too awake. And I was like, ah, I'm going to stick around for that. I shouldn't have done it. Shouldn't have done it. <gasps> oh, it wasn't too bad, though. I'm small time better. Yeah. But I'm, I'm a small-time gamer, I should yeah, say. Yeah, a small-time gamer. Me um, too. Me too. Oh, the beach. I didn't know that it was all uh, man-made. It is. It was a man-made beach, and it was built. It's huge. It is. It's 26 miles long. Between... That's the size of Malibu. Oh, really? That's about the same size, yeah. Wow. Coastline. Neat. And you built it. It was built, <laughs> yes. They dredge sand out from underneath all of that water, and then it comes up, and it's not that very pretty white that you see now. It has to lay out there and dry, and the sun bleaches it white. But it's very fine. It's different from the sand in Florida. It's a very small grit, very, very fine, soft sand. So it's that silt that, that washes out from the Mississippi, right? It is, yes. Okay. Describe to me the... Biloxi area and the Gulf area of when you were growing up pre-Katrina and now post. Okay. Aside from the buildings not yeah. being here. And, you know, it's it's really amazing that I grew up here and was 
here in Biloxi for 22 years before Hurricane Katrina hit because when I ride down the beach and I see empty lots, I still sometimes can't remember what was there, even though I saw it probably every day for, for so long. But we had a lot more um, family attractions on the beach, goofy golf, some water parks, arcades that were on the beach or directly across the beach. Now those things have moved a little more inland. So they're still here. They're just not right there on the beach for the tourists to see. Um, But as far as attractions, things like that, I really miss Slippery Sam's. That was my favorite water water park park? growing up. (laughs) You lugged this big, heavy, wet, soggy mat all the way up these <laughs> stairs, and then there was one slide that you came down for probably about 10 seconds, and then you took the five-minute walk back. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, so you got your exercise, but yeah, growing like up Yeah, it was Wisconsin ski slope. Yeah, that was a blast. <laughs> that was absolutely my favorite thing. I heard that uh, the insurance was one of the big reasons that people haven't rebuilt as much. Absolutely. On Beach Boulevard, Highway 90 area right there where the 30 feet of water came in, insurance is extremely high. It's a fight between the flood insurance and the wind and hail policy. What what came first? You know, what destroyed it? So insurance is very expensive. So people either have to be self-insured or they have to be wealthy enough to yeah. afford that. Well, forget BP. What is What are people's uh, opinions of insurance companies post-Katrina? Probably what they think about BP is the same <laughs> as they feel about their insurance The company. ones who got paid were like, oh, that's great. Absolutely. But did you hear stories about people who just you know, couldn't believe they couldn't get oh, paid? Oh, of course. The, the insurance company wanted you to prove... If it was wind or water. So if you didn't have pictures, you know, of the well, water. Well, it's not like you actually, were around in it while it was happening. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's it was a huge ordeal. There were a lot of lawsuits for that as well. And, and so now most people have insurance that is backed by the state. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, so the government yes. had to step in to... You know, they call it the Mississippi Wind Pool Insurance Association. Wind Pool Insurance. See, government coming in to help out the little man. Hey, now, I, the, Look the at government that. isn't That's always good. bad. That's right. That's so. right. You know, hey, got for, well, if the uh, military is a giant employer here. It's huge. So yes. people want to, you know, part of smaller government is those things might close. Absolutely. You know, so you got to take a little bit of it. And the military and, bases here are great for our economy. They are a huge boost to our economy. And I couldn't believe how fast, because we went over some bridges. We did. To uh, pass Christiane and... and uh, Ocean Springs. Ocean Springs that were completely wiped out. They were. And they came back pretty quick. They were. Within two and a half years, the bridges were open again. The one in Bay St. Louis, um, they had open in 2008, and it was one two lanes open, and then a few years later, they had all all of the bridges and all of the lanes open. But for a while, they had to do a ferry system to get people, mm. you know, across the body of water so they didn't have to go all around and take the interstate. But, but yeah, they built back pretty quickly. Is I think it was sad that they got rid of the train from New Orleans to here. 
Yeah, me too. That, that was seemed the, like it would be great. The Amtrak Sunset Limited um, did not come back after Hurricane Katrina, hmm. and they are in the process right now of trying to make that work. The The cities that were on that route really want to bring that back. So I'm hoping within the next couple of years we'll have that taken care of and have that service again. Yeah. Well, if you want to sell it, this is your job here. You can sell. What, what kind of message do you want to give the people who don't really know the area and thinking about, eh, maybe I'll check it out? Well, we absolutely welcome everyone to come see our beautiful coast. I think no matter what you enjoy doing in your spare time, there really is something here for everyone and every budget. We have great concerts, world-class entertainment, fabulous accommodations. If you want to try your luck gaming. Gaming. We have Not many, gambling, folks. We have gaming. many casinos that are more than willing to help teach you how to yeah, game. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> Great fishing captains. And I think the people here, we're really welcoming to our tourists. We know Everybody's you know, been really friendly. We know that we depend on tourism here um, to, to keep us going and to help boost our economy. So, And our office has a great website that can help you plan your trip. It's gulfcoast.org. Very easy to remember, and everything is on our website. Great. Well, thank you so much. Thank Thanks for the last Mike. three days, too. Absolutely. I had a blast. Yeah. Too. No, it's been really fun. It has. That's Tamron Sammons, everybody. It is the gulfcoast.org. 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 And come down and bring your thirst yes. and, and appetite. Absolutely. Come play your way on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. <laughs> and it's gaming, <laughs> not gambling. Yeah.